Welcome to Between the Worlds. I'm your host, Amanda Yates Garcia. Stay tuned and learn how to re-enchant your world with tarot, magic, and more. Welcome to the first episode on our court card season where we discuss the Page of Pentacles, a card that teaches us how to find our gifts and more importantly, how to enjoy them. So stay tuned. Time passes quickly and it's easy to feel like life is passing us by. But working with the cards of the year can really give us an anchor to help us slow down time and live more mindfully. Our cards of the year function as teachers and guides and they can help us clarify our path and identify our intentions and make use of the lessons and the opportunities available to us throughout the year. 2022 is the lover's card year according to tarot numerology and the lover's card helps us make choices, bring things together, increase our ability to be intimate and to see each other and to be seen in our deepest most intimate places. So please join us for our Welcome Lovers Card of the Year workshop. We'll be looking at your personal cards of the year and how they relate to the collective cards and to your own soul cards. In this workshop, you'll learn rituals you can use based on your cards of the year, what to do if you feel resistance to your own personal card of the year, and ways to form deeper relationships to the cards beyond the definitions provided by the quote-unquote little white book that comes with your deck. Our live ritual will take place on Sunday, January 16th, 2022 at 11 a.m. PST, Pacific Standard Time. If you can't be there live, don't worry because the replay will be available the following day along with the downloadable PDF that you can use forever. So right now, you can nav your place in the workshop for 15% off the regular price. Prices will go up on January 6th. You want to get that now or become a Jupiter or astral level subscriber and get this and all our future workshops included in the price of membership. Plus, you'll get our monthly tarot studio classes. It's a super deal. And we have so much fun together with our little coven of tarot-loving witches. So please join us for this workshop if you're ready to make the most of the lover's year. So, you know, before we get started on the actual court cards, I just want to say that every time I set out to work on one of our episodes... I feel like a character in a fairy tale who is presented with a mountain of rice and told to move it with a pair of tweezers because each card is literally a mountain. (laughs) There's just so much that you could say about each one, so many stories, so much to unpack. And the rub is how to choose which story to tell about each of these cards. I've been thinking a lot about how teaching is sharing what you've learned from the places that you've been. So I've been in this place, this field of tarot and magic and witchcraft, the woods of witchcraft, if you will, for some decades now. And on this podcast, I'm sharing what I've learned from wandering in these woods. But these woods are vast, and I certainly haven't seen the whole place. I'm still exploring. And these woods are living, constantly changing, with new animals sweeping in and new weather systems swirling about. So this is all just to say, as we go through the cards this season, and maybe if you're reflecting on past seasons as well, you know, I'm just sharing my own experience. This is just a snapshot of what I'm thinking about the cards right now. It's not everything there is to know or even everything that I know about each card. 
So each episode is really just a little hors d'oeuvre plate of things that there are to know about the cards. And sometimes I say things and next week I change my mind or go in a new direction. So it's not definitive. And your thoughts about the cards are just as valid, just as necessary as mine are. Your discoveries about the tarot, the mystery traditions, you probably know many things that I don't. And you may have seen a different part of the woods than I have. You may have encountered different beings, different animals, different species there. And also, you know, I have my blind spots. I have you know, different experience of race, gender, physical ability, health, class, ethnicity. I'm not a parent. I've never really had a serious chronic illness besides asthma. You know, I'm not fluent in any other foreign languages. So all I can bring to this work is what I've learned from the places that I've been. And while I try to imagine what is going on in other places and consider multiple perspectives, I also just want to acknowledge that I can't see from every place at once. And sometimes it feels like I feel overwhelmed trying to address the impossibility of being able to speak the story of these cards from every point of view. In fact, it makes me think about that Buddhist phrase, Sentient beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Do you know this phrase? Just know, please, that you are welcome here and your perspective and your experience are important. And these arts of the mystery traditions are richer. The more of us contribute to the narrative and share our experiences. So if my story doesn't align with your own experience, that is totally okay. And We want to hear your story and we want to know your perspective. So please do share it with us. Please do share it with the world. Create your own podcasts and let us know what your perspective is and how how you see things differently so that we can let this forest expand and grow. I also just wanted to acknowledge that this season we're going to try things out a little bit differently Uh, We're going to be working in mini seasons. We might be working in spurts and then having a little bit more uh, downtime. We're probably not going to be having guests on many of the episodes. We will still have guests, but we're going to explore different kinds of storytelling. We're going to be having guests mainly to focus on their field of expertise. And we're just trying to mix things up a bit and see how it goes. So we just wanted to let you know about that before we dive in. But now that you know, let's go. So court cards are truly some of our most requested cards. We we get requests for them almost every week. People are always asking, when are you going to do the court cards? And I think it must be because they're just really puzzling. I think, you know, a lot of us have difficulty relating to them. We don't quite understand how they work in the readings a lot of the time. Sometimes it really is helpful to think of the court cards as people. If you're doing a love reading and the Knight of Cups appears, you could easily read that as your love interest, you know, riding into view. But what if you're doing a career reading? Or what if you're asking how you can deepen your magical practice? What if you're asking how to resolve the structural problems in your new home? I mean, is the Knight of Cups a plumber then? (laughs) I mean, many tarot books will say that if your life is a play, the court cards are the characters. They're the who of the who, what, where, when, and why. And sometimes, truly, it really can be that literal. Sometimes the court cards show up as specific people in your life, especially, you know, if the court card appears as the significator in the spread, which is the card that represents you. Sure, you could be that Knight of Cups. Or maybe if the court card appears as an influence in your spread, that makes sense as well. You're being influenced by, you know, the Queen of Wands. 
We can also imagine, sometimes the court cards are imagined, like the planets in astrology. It's not an exact correlation, but hear me out here. So like the planets in astrology, the court cards are the who, with the major arcana being the how, right, which is equivalent to the signs. So it might be Saturn in Aquarius, Saturn being the who, you know, kind of the old curmudgeon of the chart. And then if Saturn was in Aquarius, then maybe they'd be a curmudgeon who has big ideas about things or, you know, some kind of a visionary. And then the minor arcana would be the houses, right? Or where the action takes place. Or in the case of the tarot, it would be the events and where these events occur. But the thing about tarot is it can't correspond exactly to any other modality. And in fact, there are many layers of correspondences. That is part of what makes the tarot so rich and so interesting. But trying to fit an exact system on it, like to to say, well, the court cards equal such and such. You know, the court cards are the planets in astrology, or the court cards are people in your life. Like it just never quite lines up like that. So in this season, we're going to be talking a lot about, you know, how to navigate that in our readings and, and also what about that can, can be especially interesting for us. Like the planets in astrology, though, sometimes the court cards can speak about different aspects of your own personality. So like the queen of swords might be a quality that you need to summon up. You need to speak the truth. You need to express your point of view. You need to bring clarity. Or it may be a habit that you need to let go of. If the queen is peering in reverse, maybe you're being very cutting or, you know, there's some kind of um, harshness in your tone that you need to let go of in order to solve the riddle of the reading. The court cards can also represent masks that we wear or personas or roles that we take on. They can indicate different aspects of our personality and personality types in general. Lately, though, I've been thinking also about the court cards as processes. And I mentioned before that we can look at the major arcana, the 22 archetypal cards that make a tarot deck a tarot deck rather than a deck of playing cards as kinds of transformation. So the death card would be a kind of transformation where we can't see the outcome. It's a change that's inevitable and it can't be stopped, and it implies a kind of composting process where things devolve, their form dissolves, and we become ground, we become earth, like our old form dissolves, and we become something new, which allows for rebirth and the fertilization of this new growth to occur. Or the star card would be a kind of transformation that happens as a result of grace. So grace is a generous gift from the universe that doesn't come to us necessarily because we deserve it or we've earned it, (laughs) but it's just kind of a gift from the universe that leads us towards beauty, towards truth, towards enchantment. But in order to move towards this enchantment, we are required to trust and have faith and follow the signs as they come to us. And this is one way of interpreting it. But so then the court cards can tell you among other things, where you are in that process of transformation. Are you at the beginning of the death process? Are you almost at the end where rebirth is just about to happen? What qualities might you need to find your way through this process? What qualities might you need to adopt? So as we move through the court cards this season, Pay attention to how they relate to the major arcana that come up in your readings. If the major arcana are the processes that you're going through, then the court cards can tell us how you might be approaching that process, where you are in that process, or the special ingredients that you might need to add to make that process a really delicious cake, if I'm going to use kind of weird metaphor. So let's start with what all of this might mean in relation to the first card of our court card season, the Page of Pentacles. 
introducing the suits. So I want to begin with a brief reminder of what the suits of the tarot are. If you're looking at an ordinary deck of playing cards, the suits would be the hearts, the diamonds, the clubs, and the spades, which in tarot usually correspond to cups, pentacles, wands, and swords. If you want to understand more about the suits, you can go back and listen to our ace episodes for any of the four suits, because in those ace episodes, we go in deep to all the meanings and the mythologies associated with each of the suits. But just briefly, I want to remind you as we are about to dip into the pentacles again, that pentacles relate to earth, to the north, to ancestors and abundance. Pentacles correspond to the earth signs, Capricorn, Taurus, and Virgo. As the suit of the north, pentacles corresponds to the realm of earth, of trees, of ancestors, of animals, and stones, and bones, and blood. This is the realm of wealth, of winter, of stillness, also of the fertile field, of the mountain, of the forest. Pentacles speak of the peoples of the north, the Vikings and the Scots and the Mongolians and the Inuit and the Ottawa and the Wet'suwet'en and the Salish and the Russians. Of course, north is a matter of perspective. If you live in Mexico, Texas is north. If you live in Nicaragua, Mexico is north and so on. But in the Western mystery traditions from which the tarot evolved, North is often considered a realm of ice and snow and seasons and old age, and it's the the land of the crone and of stone and loam and peat and, and wild islands and wild stormy cold seas. It, I mean, it's kind of a lonesome place, actually. Pentacles are talismanic coins, so they're magical coins, and they're a symbol of the earth of resources and grounding and connectedness and health and rootedness and security. And as we move in the suit of pentacles from the ace to the ten, we're learning how to establish security, how to find stability and resources, how to heal and address and relate to our ancestral histories and knowledges, and how to resource the entire community and the entire ecosystem. And we're we're understanding what source is and how to relate to it. So pentacles is the suit that teaches us about mastery and skill and the ability to nourish and maintain our connection to source, to resource ourselves. And the court of pentacles are... The four cards, traditionally they would be the pages, the knights, the queens, and the kings. Sometimes it's just knights, queens, and kings, or there's variations, but most of the time there's four. And in the case of the court of the pentacles, this is the court of the keepers of the wisdom of the earth because of this relationship to north. Earth is in ancestors and DNA and soil and roots and caves and tectonic plates, and the things that happen under the ground, lava seeping up, becoming islands, becoming land. It's the suit, the court of abundance and nourishment and money and resources and home. It's the court of your body, of flesh and bone and the body of the earth, and our body inside the body of the earth, and even the bodies inside of us. Like, for instance, the bacteria and the mitochondria, our DNA inside of our body, and then our body inside the body of the earth, and the body of the earth inside the body of the universe. So bodies inside bodies. Pentacles are the suit of the gnomes, the guardians of the depths, the minerals, the crystals, the metals. Pentacles and the court of pentacles is the court of the ecstatics, the shaman, the green witches, the necromancers and healers and curanderos and alchemists and biologists and animal husbands. The court cards in the suit of pentacles tell us where we are in the process of becoming wise, 
because to become wise is to know how to live in the world, to make choices and live in such a way that you bring about wellness and thriving for everything that enters your presence. So the Court of Pentacles teach us how to cultivate abundance and well-being within ourselves and within each situation that we encounter. And cultivating well-being and wisdom doesn't mean that you never encounter harm or injustice or poverty or ill health or problems. Because we live in a challenging world and not all problems, in fact very few problems, if any, are because of what we do as individuals. Most of our problems come from our interaction with the world around us and the systems that we're interacting with. We live in a challenging world and not all of these problems are solvable, certainly not as individuals. Most of our problems are things that really can only be solved collectively. However, wisdom helps us navigate this challenging world, this also deeply beautiful world. So wisdom is a depth of understanding. It's experience that brings us insight and it helps us apply our skills. And within the Court of Pentacles, as we move from page to king, we develop this wisdom and it helps us, it helps us create a thriving ecosystem. And the wisdom is it's kind of ambient, it's moving through our planet so that this thriving can occur within and according to the cycles of nature. So death and loss are just as much a part of those cycles as our abundance and growth. But the suit of pentacles and the court cards teach us how to work in accordance with those cycles for the benefit of all. That's why they exist, in my opinion. So imagine your wisest relative or like a, a writer you admire or an activist. For instance, let's take the writer Audre Lorde, someone many people consider to be wise because of her depth of knowledge, her compassion, her skill, her strength and leadership. She died of cancer. But just because she wasn't ultimately able to stop death doesn't mean she wasn't wise. Her wisdom lives on. And even now, it feeds the soil from which new writers and creators and activists grow. She did that with her, with her body of work, so her body feeds us. And what I'm trying to get at is that the cards don't necessarily give us answers that are going to solve all of our problems or prevent things from happening that we don't want to happen, but they're more like guides or invitations that help us navigate through our lives with the greatest possible wisdom. So the Court of Pentacles appears when we're being invited to practice being keepers of the wisdom of the earth, which will mean something different for each of us. And when the Court of Pentacles appear in your reading, they will be telling you where you are in the process of becoming wise and in the process of connecting to Source connecting to the abundance of the earth and the wisdom of the ancestors. And what energy you might need to apply or what you might need to let go of in order to let the force of wisdom dwell within us or within you. So let's find out what that means for the page. So in the Rider-Waite-Coleman-Smith version of the deck, we see a young person standing on a fertile field with flowers all around them. It's like a bucolic landscape. And in the back, there's a blue mountain. And off in the distance, there's a grove of what looks like fruit trees. And there's also some kind of a field, like maybe a farm in the foreground. And the sky is bright yellow. And this young person is dressed in the clothing of a page, which was a role traditionally assigned to young folk of the medieval period who were training to be knights. If we look at this image in the Rider-Waite-Coleman-Smith, 
they're holding up with both hands a pentacle. They're holding it aloft. And they're looking at it with wonder, maybe a little trepidation. To me, it's significant they're holding it with both hands because I think of that as the way that we hold something that is very precious, that we want to be very careful with, something we respect, something we honor, something of great value. So they're looking at this pentacle as a thing of great value. For me, what the pentacle is that this page, this young page is holding is a gift. In fact, the page themselves is a gift. They are a gift which they are then going to develop and give to the world. So the person in this image is gifted, meaning there's something within them that doesn't necessarily come from their ego or their own agency because it's a gift. It's something that's been given to them. It's something that didn't necessarily come through their own volition. Instead, it's something that is given by the goddess, by the earth herself, by providence, we might say. So this gift might be talent or access to some kind of a resource, like an amazing library. It might be intelligence or creativity or beauty or grace or musical prowess. Maybe this young person is gifted with kindness or being an especially good listener. In any case, their gift is of the second house in astrology. So that's the place that tells us our resources, where our innate gifts come from, and how they can help us meet our needs and also meet the needs of our ecosystem, of our biosphere. So if we had a quote that went along with this card, it might be this one which is often attributed to Pablo Picasso or William Shakespeare, but which in fact most likely comes from the 90s psychologist and radio host, David Viscott. And I'm sure you've all heard this. The purpose of life is to discover your gift. The work of life is to develop it. And the meaning of life is to give your gift away. So with the page of pentacles, we are in the quote-unquote purpose of life phase of this quote. We as the page are discovering our gifts, and by the time we become the king, we will be giving that gift away. So what does it mean to discover our gifts? That's what this whole episode is about. Let's think about what kind of person this page is. So again, if we go back to this idea about thinking of the court cards as processes, the page represents the beginning of the process. We conceive of the idea, we brainstorm, we start to gather our materials. If we think about the court cards as description of the life process, pages are often thought of as childhood. So as child, page is exuberant. They're willing to try. They're unaware of how difficult things can get. And so they leap. They risk. You know, kids are full of boundless energy and curiosity. Pages are the maidens, the youths, the younger siblings. I see this page as an earnest young person. Remember, even if you're 90, this could be the young person within you. So it's not just saying, oh, you have to be, you know, it's like a 30 under 30 list or something. Like You don't have to be under 30 to resonate with the page. As I was developing this episode, I was obsessed with the History Channel TV show Vikings. Have you seen this? And for me, the page of pentacles, I kept thinking of, of them as Bjorn, the eldest son of Ragnar Lothbrok and Lagatha, the shield maiden was for me repping some hardcore Page of Pentacles energy. So their eldest son, Bjorn, eventually goes on to become Bjorn Ironside, a fierce warrior king, total badass ladies' man. But in the first season, he's a youth. He's earnest and honest and good-hearted and strong and guileless and practical and loyal and deliberate, and he's able to concentrate and You know, he's very Page of Pentacles, in my opinion. And, you know, the Vikings started raiding 
in real life because it was difficult for them to grow food where they lived and there were some famines and there was a population boom and they needed access to resources. So they started raiding, but then raiding became like a way of life and it led to a warrior culture based on conquest and honor killings and all sorts of really gruesome stuff. And, you know, throughout the show, Vikings, the question is, where does abundance come from? which makes it very appropriate to the pentacles. Does abundance come from raiding? Does it come from taking? Does it come from power? Does it come from domination and conquest? You know, one of the main themes of this series is about becoming wise because for many of the characters in the show, their narrative arc suggests that by the end of their lives, they realize that true wealth comes through right relationship to the land and through care for the people in their lives and their community. In other words, they do gain wisdom. But for most of them, by the time they gain this wisdom, the soil is soaked with the blood of all they hold dear, and they've lost all of it. One of the sorrows of wisdom is that by the time we get it, we've already sacrificed years of our lives to folly oftentimes. And so much of our folly is related to trying to get security and love in a world that actually makes it more difficult for us to do that. Because most of what gives us security and love is beyond our control. But wisdom is about how we relate to things that are beyond our control. And the Page of Pentacles is the child of wisdom. And they're practicing becoming secure in a world that is inherently insecure and unstable and constantly changing. So I think about, you know, if a page is a child, what does a child need? in order to feel secure. I mean, it needs stability. The more consistent and regular things are, the more the child can focus on growing and playing and exploring its gifts rather than just trying to figure out what's next. A child needs to feel loved and it helps when its caregivers understand what it needs and want to provide those needs for the child. And of course, the first need of a child is that its body is cared for. A child needs to be fed. It needs to be warm. It needs to be free from harm. So when the page of pentacles comes up in a reading, consider that you are in the process of becoming wise. You are in the process, maybe the very beginning of the process, of establishing security and thriving for yourself and ultimately for your community too, your ecosystem. And as you are in this process, you may still be a child in it. And so you may need to discover, how can I establish security for my body? How can I make sure I'm nourished? Am I getting enough sleep? Am I getting the care that I need so that I can focus my energy on learning and growing? Or the part of me that is trying to do this new thing, to start this new business or start this new life somewhere. You know, am I, am I taking care of it? Am I taking care of that child within me? The page of pentacles as a child is establishing its roots. It's like the new plant that you bring home from the nursery. And you don't want to plant that plant in the middle of a heat wave or in the dead of winter. Because if you do, it'll die. New plants, new shoots need steadiness. They need tender care. They need a temperate environment until their roots can become established and become hardy. And that, that just takes time and nurturing. So the page as the child is still learning. They're still being exposed to new things. They're still learning the traditions of their community. As I was making this episode, I was looking at my friends post pictures with their kids around Christmas, and I was thinking of that magical feeling of the holidays and childhood and the wrapping paper and the sparkly lights and coming downstairs to find Rudolph's half-eaten carrot and Santa's half-eaten cookies. And there's a sense of wonder that we see in the Page of Pentacles when they appear. You know, that coin in their hand is like that Yule gift from Santa. You know, you asked for your little guitar and you got it. But now you need to learn how to play. And remember that fun is a big part of this. Because to learn to play, yes, you need to be disciplined and you need to be dedicated, but you also need to enjoy it. You need to have a, a love, a joie de vivre. 
on a more practical level, the page is also the assistant. You know, it's the intern. It's the young hoofer from Singing in the Rain. Do you remember that scene where Gene Kelly has a suitcase and he's pounding the pavement on Broadway trying to get an agent? And he's like, gotta dance, gotta dance. I mean, that's the Page of Pentacles. Side note, I also think of that song when I think of Leo, which is actually a fire sign and the fifth house as well, since it's the house of creativity. But we can think of, of that young hoofer as, as all pages, potentially. The Page of Pentacles is a student. You know, I think of them as an undergrad, which means they're still a generalist. They haven't chosen their major yet. They're still figuring it out. You can imagine sitting next to them at the holiday dinner asking, you know, what do you want to major in? And for this page, you know, maybe it's geology with a minor in dance or medicine or herbalism or ecology, or maybe they're going to get like a business degree. Essentially, they're going to start a pot farm, basically. (laughs) Probably a lucrative choice. But, you know, the page of pentacles would be interested in earth and ecology and wealth and health in the body. So pot farm, naturally. You know, they also love the arts. Uh, They love making things with their hands, tending to animals, pets, gardens. As a student or an apprentice, Rachel Pollack says this page is lost in his studies, fascinated, feeling little concern for anything outside of their studies. So then the work of the Page of Pentacles is study, is scholarship, is dedication, research, practice. So when The Page of Pentacles comes up for you. That is also your work. The Page of Pentacles cares less, according to Pollock, for awards or social positions than for the work itself. So we're not worrying so much about what's going to happen next, but we're just focusing on the studying, being a student of the thing. So the Page of Pentacles is willing to get their hands dirty, and they're focusing on what they're doing. I also think of them as the young mother or the young farmhand or the assistant. You know, they're they're building tiny houses. They're they're taking their kid to the playground. They're planting squash. They're they're getting their hands dirty. And what they lack in skill, they make up for in energy and determination, in joy and exuberance. They're outdoorsy. You know, maybe they live in Colorado or Seattle. They're wearing Patagonia. You know, they're hiking. They've got their hiking boots on. They go backpacking. They go rock climbing. Or at least, you know, they're spending time out of doors. The Page of Pentacles represents a fascination with the material world. And they're attending to that world. So if this card comes up in a reading, it might be time to to get outside somehow, if that's possible for you. I know that's not possible for everyone. And, you know, right now the whole world is going through a time of of great sickness and physical instability. And, you know, if this card comes up, there might also be a feeling of restlessness within your body and wanting to, to move and not being able to do it. But it is time to attend to your body in some fashion and to attend to nature in, in some way. It also might be that it's time for you to get an assistant or to start an apprenticeship. In any case, you're being called to pay attention, to be studious, to be dedicated, to engage in some wholesome labor like gardening or resting, you know, really attending to your body and listening. You know, when this card comes up, it's time to listen to what your body needs and Our bodies are calling out for nurture so that we can begin the delightful labor of exploring our gifts, whatever those gifts may be. Earth of Earth, world of worlds. Pages are also often thought of as messengers. So in addition to being thought of as youths, they often appear in the tarot as messengers. They're bringing messages from somewhere. This page, the Page of Pentacles, brings messages, opportunities, brings an encounter with something new, often good financial news, or relates to new sources for abundance or connection to that which nourishes us. If we listen, that message may appear there for us. 
when the Page of Pentacles comes up. So in classical versions of the tarot, the pages referred to essentially a job title in medieval Europe. So a page was an assistant to a knight. So historically, a young boy would serve as a page for about seven years, running messages and acting in service and cleaning clothes and weapons and learning the basics of combat. And he might be required to arm or dress the Lord to whom he'd been sent by his own family. And then later on, probably accompany his Lord to war, which is one of the reasons why I think a lot of the time people are like, I don't get the court cards because what does that have to do with my life? A few more things about the page and then we can break that down a little bit. So around age 15, the page would become a squire. And as a squire, the young man would then get this new set of tasks. So he would take care of the knight's horses. He would clean his armor and weapons. And his trajectory was like he was a page and then he was a squire and then he would become a knight. So there was a way in which like his whole, the whole seed of his future life was planted already. He was already starting to do that work of the page. The page was basically an apprentice to a warrior. And an apprentice is someone in training, but what they're training to become is already implied in the very first steps of the process. So essentially what this is talking about is there's a lot of labor involved. There's a lot of just kind of ordinary labor. I don't think like sweeping the lint off the horse's blanket or, you know, dressage is necessarily like very complex intellectual labor, but it goes into this becoming, you know, we're learning the basics of our trade. And then eventually we go on to become the more exalted form or the more mature form of whatever it is, even if that is not, you know, a warrior or knight in shining armor. If this card appears in reversal, What it may indicate is that we might not be making good on the gifts or the potential that we have available to us. So when the Page of Pentacles appears, you know, there's energy, there's a seed, there's something that has the power and the will to flourish and grow within our life. But as anyone who's tried to grow plants from seed knows, seeds in their early stages really are very delicate. They need lots of care. So if you neglect a seedling, it dries out. If you water it too much, it gets moldy. A seedling needs plenty of sunlight, but if you get too much, it will fry them. So when the page of pentacles appears, this is a time when things need to be tended very carefully and you need to stay present and check in with your little seedlings every day. And as they say in the Daughters of the Moon tarot deck guidebook, you know, potential can slip through our fingers. If we don't have the creative input of the mother or the mature discipline of the crone. So it's an interesting point that all the different aspects of the court need each other. The page needs the queen, the knight needs the king. They all nurture and feed into one another because the suit itself is an ecosystem. None of the court exists in isolation. So in your readings, look for how the different court cards can support and encourage each other. And if the pentacles speaks to our system of material nourishment and sustenance and resource, both on a personal scale and a collective scale, then the court of pentacles asks us to consider our relationship to the material world, to source and each other. So even if it comes up in reverse, consider that. There may be some kind of blockage to how you are activating or nourishing or caring for your gifts, either the ones within you or around you. Let's talk correspondences. So wouldn't it be great if the 16 court cards of the tarot each corresponded to a specific astrological sign? It really would, but they don't because there's only 12 signs. I mean, we can easily translate the other court cards to a sign, 
So the knights would be like cardinal signs and the queens would be fixed signs and the kings mutable signs. So for instance, the knight of wands would be Aries, which makes sense because knights are cardinal and the wands would be fire. But that system leaves out the pages. In the Thoth deck, the page of pentacles is said to represent Venus in the earth signs. So Venus in Capricorn or Taurus or Virgo. Venus being the planet of love and relationship and connection and joy and pleasure in those earth signs. So bringing them love and nourishment and connection. In most tarot systems, the court card corresponds to the element of the suit. So wands would be fire or pentacles is earth, plus the element of the court card itself. So each of the court cards, pages, queens, knights, kings, get an element as well. So pages are earth. So the page of pentacles represents earth of earth, or, you know, it's the earth as earth can get. (laughs) The page of pentacles then lives in our physical senses. It's said in the Crowley Tarot book, which there's a reference for that in the show notes, that as a young mother, which the page of pentacles is often thought of, she gives birth to wealth or the ten of pentacles. And the page of pentacles corresponds to the first quadrant of the zodiac from Aries to Gemini, another kind of giving birth moment from the first house to the third house. And, you know, a few months ago while I was deep in trance one night, it came to me from the spirit world that the court cards are actually places. And I scrawled this idea down in barely legible fashion in my notebook. And since then, I've been trying to understand what kind of place the page of pentacles might be. Because if we know, then if we want to call in the magic of the card, we can go there to the place of power for each card in the court. So the page of pentacles, place of power is found in the tender shoots of the spring garden. Its place of power is where there is freshly turned earth. In the Thoth deck, the page of pentacles lives in the sacred grotto of trees a holy grove that connects heaven and earth. The page of pentacles is the spring water seeping up into marshland. They live in obsidian and petrified wood and clay and mud and mycelial networks and fresh water pouring over black stones and the smell of creosote after the rain in the desert and the mist coming off the warm earth after the rain. This is a page that is clay, is calcite, is the nitrogen in the rain that fructifies the earth and makes things grow. The page of pentacles lives in the companions of the virginal goddess Artemis, or in the priestesses of Demeter. If the page of pentacles is earth of earth, and our bodies are also earth, then the page of pentacles is bone marrow the jelly that lives in our earthiest parts. And in the city, the Page of Pentacles is the art studio. Not a gallery, not a museum, but a place where the work begins, where the art, where the sculpture, where the dance first gets imagined into being, where the Page of Pentacles might arrive in spirit on our first date, where at a job interview, where it might live in our first dial-up computer, because the pages correspond to beginnings, and this page corresponds to spring, to the east wind, to the dawn. The page of pentacles is the baby fox, the lamb, the bear cub. In the Tarot of Plants by Heather Enders, the page of pentacles is the blueberry, sweet and delicious, growing under a canopy of trees and hugging the earth. If the Page of Pentacles were an amphibian, they would be a tadpole, a polywog, a favorite animal of children everywhere that we like to catch in our little hands at the creeks, with froggy legs, but not frogs yet. They still have tails. They swim like fish. They're merging from one form to the other, and that is our page.
Let's talk more about the version of the card from the Thoth deck. You know, the reason I selected this court card, the Page of Pentacles, in the first place, to be the first of our court cards is because I'd remembered somewhere reading that the notorious magician Alistair Crowley said that the Page of Pentacles was the last of the court cards, and thus also the beginning of the whole tarot deck. So in the Page of Pentacles, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. But in the Thoth deck, this card is not called the Page of Pentacles. This is the Princess of the Echoing Hills, the Rose of the Palace of the Earth. There she stands, robed in furs, swaddled in sheer silks. From her crowned headdress twists the horns of the ram. She stands in a sacred grove, her stare penetrating the earth so that she can see the roots of the trees, can see the black heart of the earth where she's about to thrust her crystal-tipped spear. The tip of her spear that, according to Akron and Banzoff in the Crowley Tarot, penetrates deep into the earth, transforming into a diamond, symbolizing the birth of the highest and purest light in the deepest and darkest of the elements. The spear about to penetrate the earth shows the act of physical union as diving down into the inner center, in that earthy darkness where eternal life germinates, and the altar in the background is a place of worship and sacrificial sight of the mother of the earth. Akron and Banzoff go on to say that the meditating princess of discs is a priestess of the earth and grain goddess, Demeter. Her horned headdress and cape of sheepskin connects her with Artemis, the ruler of animals. And the flower in her right hand is the rose of the great goddess Isis. And she holds a shield and in the middle, there's the Taoistic ideogram, yin, yang, vibrating in complete harmony. Union of polarities, holy marriage, climax of ancient mysteries and fertility rituals. This page, the page of pentacles, is the priestess of the earth. But as a priestess, she is a novice, earthy and erotic. She arrives at the nunnery and she studies with her teachers, and she seeks out guidance, and she becomes an apprentice, and then she rises, rises through her life to become the queen of the wild hunt. But in this card, there's a union of polarities within this priestess, this princess, this page. She is Nepantala, a creature of two places. They are non-binary two-spirit, a feral forest creature. The princess of the echoing hills goes beyond the unification of opposites, where she becomes something more. She becomes the whole tarot deck. And in this image where we find her, this ground where she is about to penetrate her spear, has for many years lay fallow, but it's about to be awakened, triggered, opened by her kiss by her own body, which is about to bring forth new life. This is the moment. This is the beginning and the end in this card. Honestly, I think of this page, the princess of the echoing hills, as the primordial Eve. Have you heard of this? The mitochondrial Eve. 
They say, scientists say, that the genetic lineage of all people on Earth can be traced back to one woman in what is now known as Botswana in the southern part of the African continent. And the primordial Eve lived 200,000 years ago amidst the lakes and the forests and the grasslands known as the Makgadikadi Paleo Wetland. Though she wasn't the first human, for whatever reason, the human gene pool narrowed at the time that she was alive, and it was her children and her children only that survived and ended up becoming all humanity as we know it. So we're all related to this woman. Primordial Eve is both the beginning of and the grandmother of all human history. A first mother, the oldest mother. Imagine that was you. 200,000 years ago, wading through the reeds and the grass and the pools of water coming down from these ancient mountains with your children at your feet and imagine that you were visited by a being, by one of us from the future who could somehow show you that you were the mother of the next 200,000 years and however long more of human history. All the wars, the plagues, the dances, the lovers, the families, the songs, the stories, the cities built and destroyed, all of it. Whenever I think of her, I feel, I feel so moved. Even now, I feel like crying, trying to imagine what her life must have been like and what it would be like to know that you were the beginning, a beginning, of all of this. And then consider what that might mean if she, as the primordial Eve, comes up in your reading. I sometimes call out to her in my rituals. When she arrives, it's the beginning of something big. A mother gives birth to a child, and the whole life of the child, all of its ups and downs, its loves, its challenges, even its death is contained within that birth. So the Page of Pentacles then, in addition to being both the first and the last, is maybe the most powerful card in the deck. The Princess of the Echoing Hills represents potential and fertility and birth, but unlike the Fool, which is the void from which everything emerges, the Page of Pentacles is not void, not emptiness. The rose of the palace of the earth is fullness, ripeness, decay, and blood, and afterbirth, placenta, amniotic waters, umbilical cord. She is, they are, life and earth in all its messy, sweaty ripeness. I have this picture of my mother holding me right after she gave birth to me. She's delicately pulling back the blankets to look at my face. And she's smiling, exhausted, full of love, a little nervous. And when I look at that picture, I think of who my mother was as a young woman of 23, which is when she had me. And I think of her relationship with my father, which was already falling apart. Only six months later, she'd leave him stealing off through the fog, running away to the south where she would be broke and scared and recovering from the brutality of her own childhood with a nursing child now at her breast. And I think of all the challenges that my mother and I had as I was growing up. And I think of our relationship now and how it's healing. And I think about my worry over her health, which is so delicate now. And I get glimpses of what it will be like to live in the world without her sometimes. And all of this is contained in that moment, that photograph of her looking at me in that hospital room on the day of my birth. And to me, this is especially relevant to the Page of Pentacles, because as I look at this photograph of my mother... Like I said, she's 23 in that picture. And now I'm 45, nearly twice as old as she was when I was born. So I'm looking both at my mother as my elder, who just had open-heart surgery and is recovering, struggling to walk around the block. And I'm also aware of myself now as being her elder, the elder of the woman in that photograph, because I'm twice as old as she was in that picture. 
And now I have a perspective on life that's just, you know, very different from a 23-year-old. Just as a 23-year-old has a very different perspective than that of a 12-year-old. So the Page of Pentacles is both the child and the mother. They're the beginning and also the foreshadowing of the end. The woman in the photograph that I told you about is both my mother and someone I have expectations of as an elder and a protector and a guide. But also, since I now have so much perspective on what it means to be 23, I also recognize that that woman in that photograph, I know all the things that she doesn't know yet (laughs) and the experience that she doesn't have and the parts of her childhood that she was still healing from and how, in a large sense, you know, we're really still kids at 23. At least I was, certainly. So I can see how much she still has to go through and learn and how much I still have to go through now and how much we all still have to go through and how much we all still have to learn. The Page of Pentacles as priestess of the earth, as young mother, as we've already discussed, is about that next level of labor. It's the labor of something coming into being. Your whole body is going into contraction. It's releasing hormones to dilate your cervix, to loosen your pelvic muscles. In this card, the labor is the birth of new life. And as the primordial eve, this new life may go on and on and on. Life and then life and then more life forever. Message from Great Cradle your seed and seed. Rituals. So when the page of pentacles comes up, it's a great time to do some fertility magic. Now, fertility magic doesn't need to focus specifically on literal pregnancy. You don't need to have a womb or want to give birth to a child or want to bring children into the world. It can also be for anything that you feel ready to create in the world. Your art, new job, new way of being. Side note, I do want to say one of the favorite interviews I've ever done as a guest was with the writer Leah Dietrich in Triangle House magazine. Leah wrote this brilliant book called Vanishing Twins, a memoir about her opening up her her marriage. And it's a truly beautiful meditation on love and longing and selfhood. You should read it. Anyway, our interview was about fertility magic, like think egg eroticism and slimy, sexy substances and milky pools and caves and warm water and green calcite. Anyway, the link to this article is in the show notes and I highly recommend you read it. But I would say to you, if this episode resonated with you and you want to call in the power of this priestess of Demeter, of this princess of the echoing hills, of this page of pentacles, go to a cave in the echoing hills and draw a circle around you with a birch branch and sit in solitude in the mounds of quiet earth and sing your new babe into being. In the hills echoing. Listeners, thanks for joining us for our first of the Court Cards episodes. Don't forget to tune in next week for our Cards of the Year episode. We'll be reviewing 2021, Hierophant Year, and celebrating the arrival of 2022, the Year of the Lovers. And don't forget to sign up for our Lovers Year Workshop Join our coven and get this workshop and all our future workshops, plus our tarot studio classes included in the cost of membership. Or if you prefer to buy the workshop as a one-off, register now to get 15% off the regular price. This workshop will include a lover's card ritual, journal prompts, altar strategy, words of power, chants, songs, gestures of power, tarot spread instructions on how to find your personal card of the year, and a beautiful instructional PDF and a live ritual for you. 
on Sunday, January 16th, 2022 at 11 a.m. PST. And if you can't be there live, don't worry because you'll get a replay. Hope to see you there. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Subscribers to our Weird Circle at the Jupiter level get workshops, community, bonus content, and magical support throughout the year. We really do hope that you join us. In the meantime, if you love our content and want to keep us on the air, please do take a moment to give us five stars or leave us a sweet review on iTunes or share your favorite moments from the podcast on social media. Truly, all of it makes a huge difference to us. You can tag me at Oracle Valet or at Between the Worlds Podcast. Not only does your support help keep us on the air, it helps baby witches who really need this content know how to find their way to us between the worlds. So thank you for being here and thank you for helping other people find their way here as well. This podcast is hosted by Amanda Yates Garcia and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Ricks. Our icon was created by Maria Minnis, aka Tiny Parsnip, and our graphic design is by Leah Hayes. Thanks for flying with us. In the hills, echoing.